0: I'd like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers and inhabitants of this land across Australia. Also locally where I stand, the Pie people, who continue their cultural practices, wisdom and law. Hi and welcome to the Pollination Mummers podcast, where we have collaborative conversations, cross-pollinate and connect. As we span our wings across topics such as feminine wisdom, womb wisdom, herbal plant medicine, natural fertility awareness, postpartum care, sacred sisterhood, sacred motherhood, women's circles, and deep connectedness. If you're here, I believe you too are on a journey to reclaim and revitalise ancient feminine wisdom in a modern context, not only for ourselves now, but for future generations to come. Thank you so much for being here. Hi everyone, welcome to another Pollination Mamas podcast and I think I always say this because I am actually always excited (laughs) to have the guest. Um, So today I have Carlin from Sacred Alchemy and I met Carlin many years ago, uh, maybe six or seven years ago at a festival and Um, Since then I've just been following a little bit of what she does and I'm really excited to share her work with you but also for myself to gain a bit of a deeper understanding. We've had a few chats, at least one big chat about it and, yeah, I'm Mm. excited to dive in and learn a bit more myself while sharing it with you. So Mm. Carlin weaves together multiple modalities to offer truly transformative healing by empowering, assisting and inspiring us to create the life you love, to create your own unique elixir of life. Carlin's purpose is to walk this earth fully aware and fully embodied as the true expression of herself without boundaries. Her intention is to draw upon the raw, juicy, sensual, creative life force flowing through her being and to create a sacred sanctuary to give others the opportunity to do the same. I don't know about you out there, but me just reading that makes me feel really great and warm and inspired. <laughs> and that's the power of someone's message and just even just writing who they are. So thanks for being Thank here, you. Alan.
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me and um, you know asking me to talk about one of my favorite subjects. So um, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: So as I mentioned, you weave together a number of modalities to create mm. sacred alchemy, I love the name, being most primarily being breath work, yoni mapping, sacred sexua- sexuality, and conscious birth. So I thought maybe mm. we could start by just looking at each of those modalities a little bit for people who are new to it or a little bit familiar, they can get a refresh. On hmm. it, those modalities, and then we could go on to talking about how you weave them together in your sacred alchemy and what type of applications. So, starting, we can start with breathwork, yoni mapping, whatever you want.
1: I'll start with breathwork because that's where I started my journey um, uh, a very, very, very long time ago now, like decades ago. It's weird to talk in decades, but it's happening, it's really happening. Um, and for me, discovering breathwork was the most, the most powerful clearing that I was able to find at the time. So um, I was, I think I was only about 19 at the time and struggling with lots of issues with myself and I had eating disorders and I was swinging between being anxious and depressed and uh, just generally kind of struggling through life a little bit um, and but knowing deep inside that this wasn't how it was supposed to be so trying a few different things to see if I could kind of help make myself feel better and improve my state of well-being and then I discovered breathwork and I had a couple of sessions and they just totally blew me out of the water so and I was not only able to kind of release some of that kind of life burden and stress that I'd been carrying but I also got to tap into the truth of who I was and um, how I you know, kind of like how I felt in myself and this connection to the part of myself that is kind of eternal and much bigger than my little personality and that was just that one or two sessions just really helped me to dump a heap of stuff that I had been struggling with and then open up to a heap of stuff that I knew was my truth. And so I went on this path for a good number of years before I just thought, i got, I got to do this. I've got to share this. So I trained in it um, for a long time and at the time it was available as a, um, a government-accredited uh, diploma course in Australia. They've since, I think it was 2016, they stopped offering that the Government sort of pulled the pulled the plug on that, which is really sad because it was the only one in the world that you could do. So I kind of studied to that level and then moved over to the UK and started sharing it there. And just I mean that's such a long time ago now um, that would be like at least fifteen years since I've actually trained in it. and in that time, I have just watched people's lives transform like three sixty like turned inside out, gone in directions that they did not think were actually possible when they stepped into have to have a session with me mm-hmm. for the first time over and over and over and over again time and time and time again, these big huge burdens of life are lifted when you have a breathwork session and you you've un- you unfurl and unravel yourself from these layers and you tap into what the truth is and how you choose to be in the world. And quite often it doesn't take that many sessions before people are okay to kind of go off and, and, and get set on their path again. So it was through the studying of, and, and, and the, and working with breath work, there's quite a focus on how your birth affects your later life. And so part a big part of what I learned was the 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 school of rebirthing kind of philosophy mm-hmm. and so through that I decided to uh, train as a doula uh, birth and a postnatal doula because I thought if these are the transformations that are happening for people through birth work then if I can get in there at birth <laughs> then maybe they won't need breath work later down the line. You know, we can do some conscious conception and we can work with the parents to, to maybe help them resolve some stuff before they bring their baby in and, you know, set up the, the birth space so that it's a beautiful, welcoming environment for the new being. And so I, d- I travelled on that journey for three or four years while I was living in Edinburgh. Um, that was amazing. I felt so privileged to witness um, these births come in, and I I mean these new beings come in through the power of pregnancy and birth and a woman's body and um, I saw hospital environment, home birth environment, so I had a really broad spectrum of all the different elements, continuing to do my breath work as well and then my own journey was... um, my own personal journey was that I had been in um, a relationship for almost 12 years, a marriage actually, which was fairly sexless, and so I kind of it. It actually came to an end because of that, because we couldn't really make it happen. We couldn't really get it together and um, get that chemistry going, and realise that there was actually quite a lot more going on than that. But once that kind of completed my next journey was this kind of sexual awakening and so of course I'm I was doing all this discovery for myself and the natural thing again is to go I've got to show (laughs) I'm going to share this this is like amazing so um because it really that really changed my life too it completely changed my relationship with myself was tapping into myself as a um, a sexually alive, awake, sensual being who was capable of, um, experiencing so much expansion and pleasure. Um, that was, that was actually quite transformational. That was really life changing. Um, and so, yeah, I did a a few different trainings. I did tantric body work and then I trained, I trained with Shakti Milan as well. Who's not with us anymore, but she started, uh, the, her, her thing was sexual awakening for women, which was quite a, a big training and really thorough and very tantric. Um, but so I don't know how to, how to say it was very authentic. It was almost mm. traditional kind of tantric teachings, not just about, oh, give yourself amazing orgasms and realise how awesome you are. It was really deep psychology and emotional... Um, intelligence and resilience and stuff like that so i i love working with her while while she was around um and then kind of just discovering my own journey and then having a baby and then doing the yoni mapping so the yoni mapping is much more recent and that um that really really helped me through after after i'd given birth so i'd gone from being kind of a dormant sexual being to a fully powerful embodied like fully alive sexual being and then I gave birth and it all disappeared again like like a desert gone (laughs) what what the actual f my god I thought I had it it's gone it's ah (laughs) <laughs> and so I had to start from scratch. I had to start from scratch again. At least you had
0: some good tool, tools.
1: <laughs> woo, thank God. You know. Oh my God. And so I really. I, and this now, it's funny. I've literally, I would say, maybe in the last like, maybe nine to ten months, if I, I feel like I'm really getting back to that point that I was before, where. The body is awakening again, everything is healing properly. Um, the energy is running again, and there's been a whole bunch of I've needed all of my tools mm. to really um, and and a lot of uh self belief and patience, <laughs> mm. so much patience um, to to really pop through to the other side and it was you know, it's been a really massive journey and I feel like um, it's, I've been asked a number of times now to talk about this subject, about what happens to our sexuality and how do we kind of, how do we nurture it back after we've given birth mm. and that connection to our bodies and ourselves. And so, um, yeah, it's really beautiful to share the kind of the tools and the information and the, the practices that can really help. Mm. Yeah.
0: So I was going to um, go into the sexuality after birth a bit later, but I think we should, I'd really love to delve into it now. Um, mm. And I'd love to hear a little bit more in detail as much as you want to share about what that's been for you and how those tools have helped you to so the breath work, the yoni mapping, the sacred sexuality. So, yeah, to hear a little bit more about your real story, but also... How, what you've seen with other women and how those tools have helped them so how they present what you see as like a common stream of women experiencing mm. really even though there's been a lot of birth revolution and talk it seems that it's more recent that women are starting to talk out about sexuality after birth it's fairly a new wave that we're feeling confident enough to be honest about so people can hear that it's it's not just them. Lots of women are experiencing this, and here's some ways that some women have found really powerful to heal through.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it is one of those subjects that I think it's great that we can open up a bit more because it can be um, it can be such a mystery, and our <clears throat> we're so preoccupied and busy and. That it kind of goes on the back burner for a bit, and it's—I think it's very easy when it starts to go on the back burner to just keep on pushing it to the side as you know, not so important because you want to get back to work and you want to get back to you want to um, you want to be the best mother that you can, and then you want to be the best partner that you can, and ah, it's really full on. So that kind of self connection can be low on the list. Mm. So a little bit of my my journey. Um, so my the birth of my baby girl was you know a home birth, first time birth, five hours, um, uh, pretty uncomplicated. Not any complications for the birth, but the placenta didn't come away, so I had to go to the hospital and have that manually removed. Um, but it was very intense and. Although she engaged in the right way, she actually came, she actually turned herself 360 while she was going, while through labor and then came out as a little stargazer face up. So, yeah, so full on. And so, although that was, would have been termed a really good birth, my body was exhausted. And actually, what happened was it used so much force to get her out that it just some of my um, pathways that normally work for sensation got switched off. Uh, But I didn't, you know, I didn't work this out for a long time. It took me a long time. All I knew was that as I as my body was kind of coming back to normal, the thing that didn't come back was my desire, my ability to become sexually aroused. Like nothing was working. None of the switches were coming on like they used to. and this just kept happening and happening and happening and I was, you know, I just had to really go into this place of I don't know what's going on and there was a lot of um there was a lot of kind of inner battle of but why is it like this it shouldn't be like this like I had it before and why is it not working and I'm broken and bleh, all this kind of heavy stuff going on in my mind and then I just had to kind of use my tools of the breath and my meditation and my ability to go into what I was feeling. And I just had to accept that everything was different now and um, that I just had to be with how my body was. So I had had a Yoni mapping about three months after the birth and I was really excited about it because it's with Bonnie Bonnie Bliss, and um, she was going to show my partner some techniques as well so we could connect. And <clears throat> And my Yoni was just like, get out. Don't! I don't like this. I don't want this. Just get out. Make this stop. And I was like, whoa, holy heck. So I had to sit and listen to her. So listening to her and being with her and what she told me was, please leave me alone. Just Leave me alone. Don't even talk to me. I just need to retreat and be left alone. I don't want any attention whatsoever. And I was like, oh my God, that's what? Okay, God. And then I would try and she'd go, fuck off. And I was like, okay, <laughs> Especially,
0: Especially having come from um, really embracing your sacred sexuality and working in that area and becoming fully embodied it would have been such a shock. Like the rug had been pulled out. For from you so no wonder it sounds like you really went into your mental space of trying to work it out and that first step was just acceptance and now you're listening you're listening and
1: then acceptance listening and then I had to go through a grief and loss yeah but oh she's not it's not going to be the same and I did go through a period of time for a long time where I just sat with that that heaviness in my heart because I thought maybe my body is not going to work the same anymore Maybe I'm just not going to be as sexual as I was. How do I feel about that? And I kind of just sort of went into, I just went into that. And I also just left her alone. I didn't, I just left her in retreat how she wanted to to be, you know. So she was doing her own form of healing. I would just, you know, i just energetically connect with her, but I wouldn't do any touching or I just let her be for a long time. And then, um, and then it was time to do the yoni mapping training. So Bonnie Bliss is a good friend of mine and she asked me to be on the, on the training as the, the breathwork facilitator and as sort of one of her co-facilitators and I would also learn the technique mm. of yoni mapping. Mm. And so through that, that was a, a six-month journey but really it was more like maybe nine months. And through that, um, I was able to be in sister circle we were uh, we were talked we would go on seven day retreats we went on three seven day retreats i think it was three at least three seven day retreats where we were just with women and we were all talking about our sexuality our yonis, where they were at and we did lots and lots and lots of yoni mapping on each other and lots of body contact and lots of body touch and it was through that that she started to go okay <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay i'm um, I'm coming back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making my way back. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, my God, it was was such a relief. I was like, yay. But that that was quite
0: Uh, intensive then. It took a lot of gradual easing, um, spending a lot of time focused somewhat, even though from a distance, on the work.
1: Yeah. It was really important I didn't give up on myself it was really important for me to not buy into the thoughts of i'm broken my yoni doesn't work i'm never going to enjoy sex again i'm never going to feel aroused again I'm Mm. i'm just a you know uh, um it was really important for me to allow those thoughts to be there and thank them and breathe with them and let them go and not make them uh, you know in entrench themselves and become a belief it was just something that was I was passing through <clears throat> <clears throat> not between them
0: um, them but accept them at the same time
1: yeah, yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky balance mm. um, yeah, so I feel really grateful about um being able to have um the the yoni mappings to to help make contact with her again, but I think even before that being in a sister circle, being in a circle where you can talk about what's happening and how you're feeling and do a little processing with your sisters and then maybe even some body stuff that is non-sexual touch to, you know, to bring that kind of somatic experiencing and feeling back into the rest of your body. It's really yeah. important as well.
0: Yeah, the non-sexual touch. So for people that don't mm. know about yoni mapping, um, mm. it's largely largely an intra-vaginal um, modality do you want to tell so for people that would are considering or want to know more about yoni mapping can you explain a little bit about the possibilities of what can happen in a session because i'm sure it's really diverse depending on who and what's needed and that might change over time
1: true 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 and um many there's many reasons why women come along to experience a yoni mapping and so it's a it's a yoni this is yoni mapping therapy that that um that i offer that bonnie um developed and so it's uh it's a therapy it's a therapeutic modality so sometimes when it comes to yoni massage or other types of yoni mass mas- uh, mapping there's quite a focus on the erogenous zones so and and activating your your um orgasmic potential and um Focused on sex sexuality, mm-hmm. whereas the yoni mapping therapy that I offer is very much just an exploration of whatever is going on um, in your yoni, in relationship to how you feel about your body, the relationship you have to your sexuality or not. Um, maybe particularly around birth, like preparation for birth or um, I've had quite a few pregnant women come along to have Yoni mapping so they can really get that that um, embodied contact with their Yoni before they give birth and then after birth mm. to reconnect with their Yoni as the new being that she is now, whether it's the first birth, the second birth, because it's different every time. And then some women have some trauma that they would like to deal with or some layers of just stuff that they want to investigate and then also what is welcome is checking out um, your erogenous zones as, um, as gateways to pleasure and orgasm and bliss and, you know, these kind of expanded states of, of, of consciousness, of connection. And so um, it's, it is really a modality that is very, very holistic because it's not just a focus on sexuality at all. Mm. It is really about connecting a woman with her power center, which is her yoni, and in, including that in the whole body. So, um, the a session is starts with quite a lot a lot of talking first of all to see where she's at. Then we do full body massage. Mm. Yeah, full body, to, including breasts and belly, so total full body before we go anywhere near the Yoni. So, and then there's an external Yoni mapping and an internal Yoni mapping. And that's only with the the participant's permission as well. So we always ask permission, is it okay for the external? Is it okay for the internal? Because there's a lot of times that our boundaries have been crossed. We've crossed our own boundaries and sometimes that permission is just a massive it's just a huge relief to go, Oh, I can say no. (laughs) Wow. Or I have a choice Mm. here. Um, So yeah, it's a really beautiful, powerful, transformative experience. And almost every woman comes along a bit nervous and anxious and sometimes very nervous and anxious, Mm. but every woman just leaves feeling like deeply connected to themselves, you know, and really like really embodied and, Kind of expanded but yet grounded at the same time, so yeah, it's, it's really diverse what, very what people experience. There's lots it's of very things empowered. thinking
0: about as you were saying that. I think the somatic aspect's really important there because so many of us haven't been touched, um, especially around the erogenous zones of the vagina and the vulva, in a non sexual way, even when we're touching ourselves often yeah. in, with a sexual intent or an orgasmic intent or if anyone's touching us unless it's medical and that's not much fun at all <laughs> <laughs> no oh maybe it is i don't know for me <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> me a, i haven't got baby, i'm not that advanced yet <laughs> and i hear this quite a bit when i talk to women that have been doing the vaginal steaming after i've um talked them through it and given them the herbs and the feedback and uh, One of the main aspects of the feedback is this feeling of being connected to their whole uh, pelvic and reproductive area in a non-sexual way. But yet there's pleasure and yet there's enjoyment that doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, but there can be a sexual aspect. And just for people to be aware of that in itself is so powerful. And then when you were talking, I was thinking there would be some people that, just that would need awakening. Like you said, they might be shut down, especially after birth or some trauma. There might be some desensitisation. So just by bringing awareness there, you're sort of resensitizing. But also the reprogramming, like you were saying, so touching that area and seeing what feelings come up, like you did for yourself, and deciding what narrative you want to bring into that and how to reprogram that area. It sounds amazing and powerful.
1: Yeah. And, and even if one of the one of the things that's amazing too that um is that even when we're, even when I've done a yoni mapping and there's been a certain amount of numbness in certain areas at the time of the mapping what the feedback I've had after that is that place is awake now. So going there with reverence and um <laughs> you know, taking a consciousness there and doing it in a very sacred way actually um, activates some of these areas that have previously been numb and, numb and just acknowledging, mm, okay, that place is numb and allowing that to be there actually activates it. So the next time they're um, connecting with themselves or a partner or whatever, it's like, oh, I feel it again. It's live. Mm. It's awake. It's, something's happening and so that's really cool so it's you know the accepting of things because it's easy to think that if we go along for a mapping and we don't have like multiple orgasms and we're writhing all over the floor and stuff that oh okay well there really is something wrong with us it's like not like that at all that <laughs> no. yeah no
0: <laughs> and so the breath work i imagine can tie into so many aspects. So incorporating the breathwork in the yoni mapping, especially when there is some anxiety there, um, will be handy during the session, but also to take back into the personal life. But also the breathwork during sexuality with yourself or together with a partner. Could you talk a little bit more about that and also how that might lead into conscious um, birth and using breathwork in birth?
1: Yeah. Well. One thing that happens when you do the conscious connected breath or any kind of conscious breath is that you tap into the pure life force and you start, um, you open up a kind of connection with that and it starts being able to run through your body. So even in just um, quite often in just a breath work session alone without anything to do with any sexuality, you can feel extremely awakened and enlivened and in a blissful state which you could call orgasmic or you don't have to use that word but you this very expanded awakened connected state so i also love to use the breathwork for people who have had some true um some trauma because if they're trying to sort of reconnect with themselves in that way because they can actually tap into that sexual energy without having to use those words or go to that place or touch their genitals or anything like that. So you're activating the same energy. So the power of actually using the breath, knowing that it's interweaved with that life force and consciously um, activating your sexual energy, either with yourself or with a partner is super powerful. Mm. So, and you're able to kind of, um, what's the word for it? You're able to uh, welcome in more um, energy and more sort of intensity in a really gentle way just through working with the breath because the breath will the breath runs it through the whole body so you're not particularly when you are when you're working with sexual energy you don't just localize it down in the genitals you kind of use the breath to to spread it throughout the whole body you know and that's where you can go into that kind of expanded state just from breathing
0: Mm. this is making me think because coming from the postpartum doula perspective of how all cultures use nearly all most cultures use some form of touch or some form of warmth in the early weeks after birth to help promote oxytocin and so there's Mm. lots of research there to show that Um, loving touch, gentle touch, warmth, does promote oxytocin. But more and more the research is coming out about the vagus nerve, which runs through the body up into the brain, through the nervous system, which influences oxytocin receptors, which are all through the body. They're not just in the brain, all through the body in many organs. And so it sounds like these and i know breath work has um some links to oxytocin in the vagus nerve when you look at old yogic tantric breath things like that and even modern breath yeah and then yeah. the touch as well so it really sounds like this self, sacred alchemy of you weaving all these things together we have got this huge oxytocin booster it's like you're going in for this <laughs> big oxytocin bath i know in um very scientific models of oxytocin science. They talk about oxytocin sprays and things like that, and I'm sure there's a place for it. But this is an option for people to have that in a very natural way that they can then gain tools to continue inducing oxytocin, which would be amazing through birth also. So oxytocin is an important um, hormone in birth. Mm. See that in your clients? Do you see them coming in maybe a little bit anxious and just leaving full of oxytocin? Yeah. <laughs> what are the reports back about that? How do
1: people Um well the, not they I mean they don't specifically understand that they that they've um tapped into and, and have released the the happy chemicals in yeah. their in their in their brain and in their being. But just, you know, that that sense of do you know what? Everything's okay. Yeah. I can see my path clearly. I know what I need to do now. I'm. I feel connected to myself again, and I feel that. And I'm. There's this just sense of of wholeness and oneness. And um almost always in breath work, people do go into an altered state of consciousness. So it's not a trance, and it's not. They're not hypnotized or anything like that. It's. A, it's just an altered state where they are able to perceive more of themselves and themselves as more than just this body who's going through these daily motions of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever. But they, you know, they're really connected to something much bigger than that. And so, yeah, that coincides with that oxytocin release as well and the opening up of the life force energy, which carries all kinds of beautiful hormones and other kinds of energies that we can tap into to have this more ex- sort of more expanded experience of ourselves mm. that makes sense
0: it totally does so it's almost like yeah stripping away the ego so to speak those parts letting it all come back so you can tap into that eternal Heart, which is always present and tr- delivers the truth. So if you can tap into that, and then deciding which parts of your ego, your personality, you want to maintain or build upon in a healthy way, but so yeah. that that's the ego and the personality isn't dominating you and creating the anxiety states that can be hard yeah. to slip away. So you're allowing. Sounds like you're allowing the nervous system to really reset. Tap into yep. some deep eternal truths, and then once you've done that, you can you can continue on that journey is so much easier. Sometimes we just get a little bit lost, especially after times of trauma or in stress and postpartum, because yep. it's it so overwhelming. I'm also interested to hear your thoughts on um, community connectedness. So, looking at how we're biologically wired for connection as humans. So if we're experiencing times of isolation or close to isolation, how that impacts on our nervous system and then gathering in women's circles, which sounds like was part of your healing journey where you were really able to open up a bit more. And it's almost yep. like our biologically we're wired and our nervous system can relax and then the healing can take place when we're held and we're supported. What are your thoughts on the role of women's circles and close, loving community connection?
1: Well, I think it's essential, to be honest, like really, really, really essential. We were never supposed to bring up children and have families in this kind of isolated way because we all have things that we share with each other that benefit each other, that support each other, um, I know that another thing that was um, for me uh, was a, this sense of isolation because we only just move, moved over from the UK mm. and even though I'm an Australian citizen, i had been there for a long time. And I had this lovely idea that um, we lived way out in the hills and we went, when after Bethany was born, we went further out into the hills and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. So I just go into this mama and baba retreat space. But actually, oh, I really needed my tribe. I really needed other women. I really needed, like my mother had just passed away as well. My, my you know, I wasn't, I'm not really, um, like my family was away, um, far away, like three hours away. And I'd only just moved to this area. So I didn't have a sisterhood in those first like six months. And I was like, this whole, away in the retreat thing is kind of a nice idea but the isolation was really like i need people i need women and so i think it's hugely important to have you know mother's groups and sister circles and um family you know family's great if we all get along and if we and if you're around each other that 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 support of just being able to hand over your little one for a little while to someone you can trust so you can get some rest or do something some Mm self-care and i just think it's massively important you know really really important yeah i really missing
0: yes missing and a huge contributor to postpartum mental health issues and i think there's a absolutely important role in Non-verbal connection. So having people around, especially in the early, early days, and then as you said, over time, those women's circles and um, mothers' groups and things. But just having the presence of supportive yes. company, and because yes. it's such embodied, physical, heartfelt space in those early days, it doesn't need to be too verbal and full of advice. But just that the way the nervous system resets by having the presence of that company. So where are you at now postpartum with your sexual journey and looking back in hindsight three years now, is that three or so years? Yeah, three and a half. Yeah. Um, what are some major tips and, oh, I hate the word tips, <laughs> some insights <laughs> you would like to share with your, yourself three years ago or three and a half years ago that you could share with other women just so they can feel a little bit more prepared to accept Because there's also the biological side that if you're breastfeeding, the hormones do change and that affects your libido. What are your thoughts around balancing that hormonal libido lowering with the want Um, to connect sexually with your partner or yourself?
1: Yeah, I think it's a very, very interesting uh, little pocket of time. Uh, And I think, trying not to sound too blamey, there is a bit of a, um, you know, a social expectation that you know, after six weeks, you 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 can back on the horse, you yep. <laughs> right to have sex again, and um, and you should be looking at getting your tummy and your butt back up into the into the position it's supposed to be having, you know, and thinking about getting back to work and all this sort of stuff, and I think even. That can be an undertone of 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 things I think taking understanding that every woman is different, most women don't have the time or the energy or the inclination to be sexual after six weeks, often even after three months, six months, nine months, a very wise woman Jenny Blythe said it's from the it takes you nine months to grow a baby and it takes you at least nine months for you to get back to get back to yourself so give yourself that another nine months before you kind of start to feel like ah you know i'm i'm a little bit me again and so um yeah i think uh so sort of unraveling ourselves from those kind of pressures and as much as possible as much as we've got time for just really listening to that inner voice of what what our needs might be so you know we might need um some quiet time to ourselves that needs to be scheduled in that you know where someone just takes the baby for a little bit so you can reconnect with yourself or have a sleep or have something to eat without interruption or something like that or our needs are oh i actually am feeling um like i i'd like to be sexual again but i don't know what to do like i need i need different things now Um, so finding a way to to acknowledge what our new needs are acknowledging that we're going to be a new person so i think another thing is that so much focus goes on to the birth especially for your first Mm -hmm. the birth and what's going to happen at the birth and how we want the birth to be and then after the birth there is this huge amount of time where we're like in an abyss of like, what the fuck has happened? <laughs> and I'm falling. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's right. Nothing's the same. Everything's changed. No one told me it was going to be like this. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. Cause I think every, you know, every woman in every family, you know, the focus of the biggest thing that changed is different for everyone. So sometimes it's sexuality, sometimes it's finances, sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's our, our bodies change. and mm-hmm. so we don't know what to do with it anymore. Um, so, I think the work that you do is so particularly focusing on the postpartum. Oh my God, we need it so much. There needs to be just as much focus on the birth and then just as much focus on what happens after birth because that's the bit where so many women just get that, you know, and, and, and couples get really lost and they're just, there's not a lot of services. No, Unless you like problem. clinically postnatal depression, you know, that's really tickable on a box, on boxes. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it shows up in so many different ways. So, um, but specifically in terms of reconnecting with your sexuality, just give it time and um, don't give up. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs>
1: don't give up please on yourself. Please
0: be patient absolutely yeah I think it's a lot of that especially in that first six weeks there might be a community health nurse visit one or two largely Mm. on baby a little bit on mother there's not a lot of time to explore the emotional um aspects and then yeah you go to your six-week checkup and you get ticked off is anything majorly wrong physically no Are you okay? Yes. What contraception (laughs) do you want? All right, you can have sex. And off you go. Um, And I've never heard, I've been to to a couple of those appointments now and I've never heard, but it's okay not to. It's okay. You may not feel like this for another three, six, nine months. Ease into it. There's none of that. It feels like we're really lacking in that emotional support, which is where the postpartum doulas and other um, therapists like yourself can play a really important role. And I guess I'm really interested also in how to support the couple, so this new family unit, in having a language to explain this. So first of all, for anyone listening out there, and as Carlin said, it's normal. It's normal, do not feel like having sex at six weeks. If you do, that's wonderful and that's great. Um, And there's nothing wrong with you either, but there's many women who don't, and that will be, will slowly um, happen at various times and it might be nine months a year later or it might be at three months and so to accept that but also for the couples to understand that and to have a language to express their needs in that in a healthy way because then I call it the great divide and then I added another tagline onto that because I didn't want it to just be the great diet I think it was the great divide or the ultimate synergy so looking at um, mm. What happens physiologically for the woman and the man? So, there's a little bit of research around what happens with the woman, but also the man can have a surge of testosterone around this time as the biological protector kicks in. But can also tap into the oxytocin through bonding with baby and lots of skin-on-skin yeah. skin contact and and um, participating in the caretaker role. But often has to then become the provider financially, solely as well. Maybe that was shared. Before um so that has a whole different role of this great divide physiologically that's happening um and if you're in a same-sex couple that could even happen as well is that one person is with baby all the time one might be going back to work so there could even become a divide there and then bringing that into the ultimate synergy of how those two different roles complement each other beautifully and working out what the language is and painting a picture and a narrative of what that could look like because we don't really have anything clear on that Mm. um yeah I guess I'm just really fascinated at the moment what that is for different people and how different people have achieved that Mm. how um how was your partner through this journey and only share as much as you feel
1: yeah 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 um he was really really kind a bit confused as well like at first it's like because it was such a huge change, <clears throat> and so he also had to deal with feelings within himself. Because what he had pre- what what previously used to make me feel really good just wasn't working, and I couldn't obviously n- pretend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that it was. I had to be really honest and sort of go, nothing's happening? I'm really sorry." And so he had to kind of go, "Ooh." okay (laughs) and and then that's so he had to kind of deal with how his feelings around that and possible inadequacy and Mm. a bit of confusion and is it me and what should I do and that kind of thing um and then um you know kind of reassuring him that it wasn't him and then Mm. just having some quiet time where I could work out what my needs were and then ask for those needs to be met so um one of the things was just having some nights of intimacy which just involved cuddling you know and sometimes it was naked and sometimes it wasn't but there was no it wasn't going anywhere <clears throat> so just to keep the body sense and the feeling sense and the sensation thing kind of going you know because my body would still respond to relaxing things so i think you know what i really needed was my system needed to Relax and be quiet. So, intimacy without any, without a goal, was really, really great. And both ways, you know. So, me asking for what I wanted, and he asking, him asking for what he wanted too. So, it didn't just feel like a one-way street. <clears throat> so, that was um, definitely really helpful to bring back that sense and keep that sense of connection rather than the great divide of, ooh, we don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what's going on with her. Let's just pretend nothing's happening. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And carry on. Something <laughs> yes. Something. Uh, yeah. So communication, intimacy without or even just connection, physical connection without a goal, that was really helpful. Um, yeah and and kind of being okay with whatever kind of needed to unfold was really helpful too
0: fantastic advice yeah not to make it personal and I think it's so important to have that non even more focus afterwards on the non on just the sensual connection to ease back into it because yeah if you do just go on the great divide and then expect one day for that spark to happen and all of a sudden this really physical sexual chemistry to be there that might happen but more likely than not it's not going to, more likely than not it's going to be an easing in. And when that sensual connection is maintained, then that's going to allow that emergence much more naturally and gently. That's
1: fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think for, you know, just a little bit of just some suggestions for the guys is I know it can be hard to not take things personally, but really try to not take things personally and just, I think it can be a little bit hard to comprehend what the, the the changes on every single level that a woman has gone through that she probably wasn't expecting. She's been more than likely totally surprised by all of the changes, and it's you know, and she doesn't have time to go on a retreat and sort <laughs> it out. She's got a little baby there that needs her twenty four seven. And then, you know, and to have a beautiful, supportive man who can just be cool and understanding and not take things personally and just kind of roll with it, you know, and um, just be inquiring and, you know, what do you need? How can I support that? You know, and um, honouring your you know oneself as well but just understanding that it's such a massive transformation that she probably won't be able to articulate it or have the words for it you know for a little while either Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely and i think this really needs so much more emphasis in our society because that year or two after a baby is has been shown to be the highest stressor and um, the largest time of of breaking up and huge um, relationship issues, quite severe. So I think, Mm. yeah, I'd love to see more. And I feel like maybe an ongoing commitment before birth that we're in this for the long haul, we understand someone has Explain to us that this is a long-term journey. Things are going to change and it will be long and gradual. So this, like, awareness and this long-term commitment that they're in it for that long haul. And then to check in not long after birth. Okay, this is where we're at, but we're in it for the long haul to support each other. What does that look like now? Okay, a month or so later, and just to keep doing that. So that that larger picture is there. Um, Yeah, more and more so the women's groups I think are important because women need women just in that or feminine energy in that way, especially in that time postpartum. But also the couples need to come together and realise they're not the only couple suffering and to have those tools together to connect as couples or maybe just one-on-one with um, an experienced therapist as well. But in that group community setting too, because often it's only joked about at a social setting, rather than there's not that sacred safe space to really delve into it
1: Mm, that Um, would be amazing i think i don't know of i haven't heard of any space that's available for couples to go and and work this stuff out if you're offering that i think it's amazing and i think it could be so for those who are willing to go there and kind of hang out and talk about stuff i mean it would be so so beneficial Mm.
0: you know I'll have to think about
1: that a bit more. I've definitely
0: got it for the postpartum, but I think ongoing in that first year. And a lot of postpartum duels think of mothers' groups that first year, but yeah, I think I'm going to put some more thought to this for
1: couples. Just for couples' groups, yeah, definitely. Because sometimes they might even have to just come once and go, oh, it's it's totally normal what we're going through. And that guy, that guy was so cool. I'm going to go and have beers with him next week and talk about this. You know, and it's just, it might only be that one meeting where they just go, oh, cool, this is, we we got this. We're normal. You know, or it might be something. Yeah, we're normal. <laughs> normal is not normal, but it is normal. It's yeah, mm. common, but not normal. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I'd love to also,
0: see that. I'd love to hear, before we wrap up, I'm just conscious yep. of time, a little bit yep. about uh, people who've experienced um, sexual trauma and abuse and how um, if you've had an experience there and how you've seen um, and how these sorts of modalities can help people with like older, longer-term
1: trauma? Mm. Yeah, well, um, I find that the breathwork is absolutely amazing for that because... For really it just the what the breath will get in and work on layers and at levels that um, that are really really deep that can't be um, accessed through other means quite often Um, and one of the there's so many things I love about breath work but we don't some people might who know they've suffered trauma might think uh, I don't want to do something that's going to like activate that trauma again. I'm going to have to relive that. I'm going to have to go through that again. Mm. It's more often than not, it's not the case that you relive it. Sometimes you need to pick up some information by going back to those things, those experiences. But quite often what will happen is the charge the energetic charge or the emotional charge that is being held in the being in the body can be addressed without having to go back to the details. So, um, the the psyche will um, choose a pathway for um, some release to happen that doesn't involve re-traumatizing. This is like a, it's like that one of the magic elements of breath work is that like the breath and your psyche is your buddy it's your ally here it's not wanting to for you to be damaged again you're on a path of healing so um it will often just offload you know the different things that have affected you psychologically emotionally physically and spiritually and it'll just offload that just through the breath maybe through some energy running through your body or maybe some weird tingly sensations in your ankle or your tummy or your, your head or something like that. But what it's actually doing is dissolving some patterns that might have been held there in, in, within you that are causing certain behaviours that are causing certain issues in your life and you dissolve this pattern at different levels and then suddenly, oh, I don't do that thing anymore. I don't attract that, that thing anymore. So that's where the breath work can work, and then when it comes to um, the yoni mapping, the um, because we're going, we because we're going to, we're approaching the body and the yoni and the whole being in such reverence and in such a sacred way. That's the first step to dissolving a whole bunch of. Um, boundaries that have been crossed and violated and then to actually touch the body and to go to these places with that same kind of reverence and that conscious touch again dissolves a lot of what's being held there there might be some tears because you're actually in that physical part of that body or there might be some a bit of energy release that could cause heat or cold in the body um, but the the benefits of actually um, kind of going there is far outweighs the yeah the benefits are just are just huge Mm. like things just dissolve and life's different after that
0: yeah I love that there's options out there because when I'm talking to women I hear that often at the birth or just after the birth that's when old trauma can arise so it can become so multi-layered so not only can there possibly be birth trauma but maybe there wasn't so much but then old mm. trauma rise or sometimes there's a layer of birth trauma old trauma but then you're completely immersed in the postpartum and like you said there's not much time to spend on um, therapy or your mental um, world has changed so much you're really in an embodied heart space in a different way so to have mm. non-verbal modes of therapy for women to know that there is a way that they don't have to go in and talk and relive like but there is a way to unlock and move through I think it's so wonderful and you articulate yeah. it really well so if anyone's out there and they're listening and they're thinking that this might be something that can um, provide some tools or some keys or some healing for them yeah know that it's out there and it's it's gentle but powerful
1: gentle but powerful that's the thing and then that's what blows me away all the time is that it's it just really gets in and does the job but leaves people whole and complete it doesn't you know you don't have to get smashed apart again to to, you don't have to break down to break through necessarily it just dissolves and resolves (laughs) like magic (laughs) alchemy alchemy sacred
0: alchemy thanks so much carlene it's been such a pleasure and so interesting and As always, it kind of gets my mind and my heart ticking to think of so many other areas that this relates to and could expand into. But, um, yeah, I think that listeners out there will hopefully get a lot from this and be inspired to explore it a bit more. Um, It's just... In their own um, awareness and consciousness, in themselves, and at home, and in their relationship. But would you be able to share with people a little bit about where they can find you, what services um, you offer? So you offer some retreats and online consults, and
1: you know, let yeah, yeah, you... I'm just, I am just about to um, offer a whole lot more. So I'm, so I'm based up in northern New South Wales, so the Byron Shire all the way up to the Gold Coast and and down in Tasmania as well. I'm quite often down in Tasmania. But I'm also happy to visit um, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, And so I offer breathwork sessions. I offer yoni mapping sessions. um, I'm just developing um, a kind of a course and a series of workshops around erotic enlightenment, which is basically exactly what we've been talking about is how to stay connected to ourselves um, and our sexuality, and then how also how to transmute that energy—that either the sexual energy into a spiritual practice, or use um, that that spiritual energy to keep ourselves connected to our sexuality, so that we don't lose um, touch with ourselves. So um, that's going to be offered pretty soon, um, and then uh, I've been. I'm doing a bunch of festivals with the uh, with the Erotic Enlightenment and I offer workshops in, around this area as well. So I am open and willing to come and hang out in other places and I'm really happy to receive contact. So if anyone's just got some questions or if they're unsure about anything or they need some resources or they'd like some, you know, to be um, directed or just to have a chat i'm available as well
0: cool. thank you and so your website is sacredalchemy.com .au. au and i'll pop all these links up um on the show notes as well and you're on facebook instagram as well I'm on
1: facebook and instagram too yeah
0: put those links up.
1: Thank yay you thank you that. so much that was wonderful so great to talk to you
0: and it was fun amongst all of, like, the deeper emotional, more serious stuff. It was actually really beautiful and fun as well.
1: Yeah, you've got to keep a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks
0: for listening, and if there was something there for you, please head on over to the PollinationMummas.com webpage, sign up for the latest podcasts, nourishing recipes, blogs, and much more. Head on over to Anchor FM at Pollination Mummers and sign up for the podcast there, or to Facebook and Instagram and say hello. But importantly, share widely with anyone you may know who would gain something from this. Thank you.